0: This episode of Crosscut Talks is supported by Alaska Airlines.
1: Hey, welcome to Crosscut Talks. I'm Mark Bumgarten, the managing editor at Crosscut. And today we're talking about art in a year of unrest. And this is a topic that's near and dear to me. I spent most of my 20s as a music journalist and later spent some time editing an arts magazine here in Seattle. And in all that time, I got used to viewing the trials and tribulations of our society through the lens of artists. I came to understand that all art has a kind of political weight to it. Music, painting, and performance are all a part of how we shape reality, how we normalize and give power to certain ways of living and thinking. Or challenge them. And in this last year in particular, it's been difficult to view any work of art as being divorced from the hugely disruptive events that we've been living through and the politics of inequity that underline each one of them. And listening to the artists we brought together for today's episode, it's difficult to imagine an artist approaching their work in this last year without having politics at the front of their mind. And we get three distinct perspectives here, each touching on a different political challenge from Teddy Phillips, Moni Chow, and Stephen Miller. But this isn't just a conversation about art and politics. This is also about making sense of the world, how these artists help us define the undefinable and give meaning to complex realities. And I think the most interesting and revealing part of this talk, which is being led by Crosscut Arts and Culture editor, Branjan Davis, comes when the artists talk about the impact that their art making has had on them as individuals, how it's helped them cope and connect, as well as the pressures they've felt and the limits that they've hit. That, I think, was the most instructive part of this talk and something that we all can learn from, whether you're a working artist or just someone trying to figure out how to tell your own story of this very complicated time. If you would like to see some of the art that's mentioned here, please check our show notes. I'll be posting a link to some select works in there. And before we get started, I need to let you know that this conversation, which took place in early May as part of the Crosscut Festival, was sponsored by Amazon. I hope you enjoy it. If you have any feedback, send it to talks at crosscut.com. Okay, on with the show.
0: Okay, so let's start with a little bit of time travel. We're just gonna briefly return to early March 2020. I know we don't, nobody wants to go back there, but just for a moment, um, was there a moment when you realized that coronavirus was going to affect your life in a big way? and affect everyone's life in a big way. I know for me, it was as an arts editor when I started getting all these cancellations of events, all these emails saying, "never mind, we're not doing that. It was became very clear that things are gonna change forever. So do any of you have that sort of crystallized moment?
2: Uh, I'd say that it was when my entire company got laid off right at the beginning of March and uh, it became real awful fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Teddy or Monday yeah,
3: for me. Um, yeah. Well, for me, um, I was just at work. So I work as an engineer during the day at a tech company. And, uh, we started getting, you know what, you can work from home now. So, so everything started going on. I'm like, really what's going on? So then you started watching the news cycle and you know, people were just really just in a super panic mode because of what was spreading. So from there I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to be trapped here for like the next, 12 months just in my home so um, might as well get used to it
4: money yeah so personally for me um, at the time I was living in the Chinatown International District um, and that's a huge community for me Um, and I definitely was feeling the effects before the virus even reached the states as like um, you know there was a lot of anti-Asian hate kind of um, resurfacing and um, you could tell, especially because the the entire neighborhood was super quiet um, even before, um, you know, the virus was here and people were stigmatizing a lot of our businesses and um, businesses were reporting like a 70 percent drop in business. And so um, this started to affect me personally as like an Asian-American person before it even began to question like my art practice um, and I was working at the Office of Arts and Culture um, for our new gallery in the King Street Station, and um, we definitely had to close and just um, had no idea when people were going to be coming back and when we'd open again. Wow. So, so
0: once you realized the, the impact of this, was there an immediate impulse to make art? Did you did you immediately think, I I am I want to do something about this to connect with people? Or was there a hunkering down phase? Did you just want to hide out for a little bit and figure this thing out?
3: Yeah, um, I, think, I think I really started feeling the impact once I realized that my mom had to go to work. So my mom, she works as a nurse and my sister as well. And uh, I was like, just talking to them every day. And then we were still trying to figure out everything about the virus, but they still had to work it. So just trying to provide them with encouragement to be able to get off their feet and you know just go to work every day and and you know just pray for them uh, for their safety during the time was was something that that was just sticking with me and then uh, I created a piece to honor my mother who was out there uh, fighting the pandemic um, and I collaborated with uh, Amplifier on that to uh, to help spread it so so that's that was my first creative outlet um, inspired by COVID. Uh
4: mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think first was a really emotional response. I was feeling really, um, really scared and really tired. um, And especially that I was in a neighborhood where there were a lot of um, specific things happening. Um, And even last year there were uh, white supremacists who were sticking up like these stickers that were um, from this like white supremacist like organization um and they were in in our neighborhood and intentionally like uh intimidating a lot of the residents and community members and so that was when I was like um able to have like some creative like flow where I wanted to respond to this um and I wanted to take my emotions into um into a piece of art Uh, I really don't think I felt any sort of way until I was capable of like understanding and processing like this experience of um yeah racialized trauma um and like the like resurgence of yellow peril um yeah and then stephen when did you um get
0: the idea to start going out and actually photographing people at a distance
2: well i was so i stayed basically alone and isolated for five weeks which is i'm a social person and that was pretty much my worst nightmare Um, But, you know, I wanted to, I was terrified, like everybody else, of this virus going around. Um, And after a month, I mentioned to a friend that I wanted to photograph people through their windows, but I was also frustrated because I knew everyone and their mom was going to do the same thing, Uh, and he encouraged me to do it anyways. So it took me five weeks, and then I put a call out on social media to see if any of my friends would be open to me photographing them through their windows. And I was stunned by the response. It seemed like everyone was feeling really isolated. So they wanted some form of contact, even if it was just through a plate of glass. Mm-hmm.
0: And just a note to the audience, you can see some of the uh, work that these artists did. Um, it should be right below our faces on the page, the web page that you're on. So you can scroll through that um, slider to see some of the work we're talking about. Um, and so one of the things that um, stuck out to me about all, all of your work was this, um, it's rooted in community. And um, so we've got Money's resiliency poster was, I believe, the first piece um, for the Chinatown International District. And then, Stephen, a lot of your... Photographs were of the LGBTQ and the artist community in Seattle, and then Teddy, your posters, you know, were projecting this kind of united front, both, um, you know, for healthcare workers, and then a little bit later, supporting the um, BLM protesters. So, so, what can you talk a little bit about what was driving you to to sort of reach out in this in this community rooted way?
3: Um, I feel like that's all we had during the time, right um, I mean we're a community we need to lean on each other when times are tough and it was a it was a difficult situation that everyone was facing it was super new so so when you don't have anything else and when you you think you're alone, you actually have community and that's what I wanted to connect with with my art I wanted to connect people and let you know that you know even though you're going through a tough time we still have each other.
4: Um, Personally for me um, yeah I want to echo what you were saying too where it felt like the only sense of hope that I could feel was um, within some of the organizations and the communities that um, reminded me of you know what we've been through before and what we've experienced before and that we have each other and so I wanted to extend that to um, understand like the resiliency of Chinatowns and remembering that like we've gone through yellow peril before and this is nothing new and um, we're just having to go through it one more time. And um, and I felt like there was so much strength in being together. And I felt like my project became so community powered because um, I started to really think about the link between all of the Chinatowns in America and how we can be supportive towards each other because we're all experiencing the same things. And so um, I felt like my, my posters had gone um, around a lot because of Uh, accessibility and being able to share them online. And um, definitely due to folks who came out and this was in the beginning of the pandemic. So I think we were really happy to, you know, be outside and be like wheat pasting and postering um, in community, but like still distance. And I remember that being such a, um, like a cathartic moment to be in fresh air with people.
0: Steven, anything you wanna add?
2: Oh, uh, well, I'm going to mirror it and just saying uh, the community aspect really became important to me when I started posting these on social media, uh, just one a day, and then seeing how they resonated within members of my LGBT community uh, and putting faces out there uh, that aren't always in the media. and seeing how my friends resonated with that, it was amazing. It's, I didn't recognize how big a community binder it would be until it happened. It was it was lovely. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's great. Um, so one thing um, we often hear is that artists are at their most creative under constraints. And these were some major constraints. So I was curious to hear if you felt that... Um, that the pandemic or the protests inspired art that you wouldn't have created otherwise? I mean, obviously the topic was unprecedented, but, but in terms of how you approached your art, how you um, created the art, was there something that totally new that came out of you that you you never would have expected? Mani, you look
4: like you want you want to say something. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that other people had time too if they wanted to jump in. <laughs> go for um, it. Yeah, I think something that was really like really great um that came out of this was I don't think that I ever thought to make my work so accessible before. Um, as artists, we're forced to find out different ways to share art and make people see what we're doing um, when we don't have gallery spaces to um, be able to spend time together in. And so Um, I thought about the ways that work can be mass shared. And um, that's what I want with my art in general is like, I don't want just the folks who can make it into galleries to be able to see it. I want this work to be for everybody. And so it really forced me to um, flex that muscle and learn how much like um, information can be shared um, through like social media. Um, So I made these like takeout menus um, that were, like meant to um, look like menus that you would get um, at like in a Chinatown restaurant. And so inside of the pamphlet, it just shares all the information as to like what the history of Chinatowns were, because I think a lot of people don't understand that Chinatowns are a direct result of racism and the exclusion of um, Asian immigrant communities. And so how can we get that information to people and having it as simple as something as like a zine that you can like share with people or leave a stack somewhere um, I made them like on my website for people to download too. And so I think that's something that I'll continue to carry on with my work is to make sure that anyone can access it or like with my resiliency posters, even if you don't want to see them, you're going to see them because they're on the streets and they're going to be in your face and you need to, you need to know about our history. So yeah, that's something that I feel was really exciting for me. That's cool. Teddy.
3: Um, yeah, for me, um. So, so, my justice series kind of came out of this one, um, and it's where I highlight people that have been unjustly killed. Um, and I, I saw the Maude Aubrey story, and I kind of identified with him the most because a black male uh, that likes running, he's from the South. And then I saw him, you know, I saw everything that happened with him. And uh, so I created that piece first. And I didn't release it. It was just too painful just to look at it. just every day. And just going back through your feed, you're kind of reminded of everything. Even even now, my feed is kind of painful to look at. But uh, I think what got me through it was when um, I saw the whole George Floyd killing. And I was like, these people can't talk for themselves anymore. So um, I want to be the voice for the voiceless and, and really try to elevate um, and advocate for justice on their behalf since they can't anymore. So, so that's what got me through the hump of actually trying to push for that. And then, you know, just unfortunately, um, still now, you know, we're still coming up with uh, with people that have been wrongfully killed. So, um, but that kind of helped me understand my voice as an artist, um, Mm -hmm. uh, providing light and shining light on movements and trying to elevate information to to help get justice.
0: Great. And Stephen, I know. uh, Well, I don't know. Had had you been out on ladders um, photographing people? (laughs) Okay, before.
2: No, uh, I mostly create giant sets and do elaborate photographs and they're almost always male-centric and so everything shifted with this with me uh, basically becoming a portrait photographer uh, and, um, and photographing straight and gay and trans folks and Basically, my friend group, regardless, uh, the, regardless of gender or orientation, and uh, I have to say that this process dominated my entire waking existence. If I wasn't making photos, I was editing them, and I was basically unable to take in any other sort of media. I didn't watch TV or movies for four months. I was basically in shock, and then. When the Black Lives Matter marches started happening, that was a whole other awareness awakening in me, and that influenced the art in other ways as well. Uh, yeah, it was a big deal. Changed It basically changed everything for me. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so on the flip side of that, there, I felt there was also kind of this, um, I experienced a longing to to see what, what do the artists have to say? Um, and, and that can be kind of a pressure, right, on artists like um, to create something amazing you know, during this time. So I wanted to do a little sort of mental health check-in to see, did any of you experience that sort of feeling like, you know what, I'm exhausted, I, I can't make any more art, but I know people want me to make art more art right now so um, and what did that feel like and how did you deal with the pressure money you want to start
4: us off um come back to me i want to think about my okay. answer a little bit
0: smiling so i'll go to him next
2: um i'm gonna say yeah i did this project for three months every day uh posting something and it was exhausting and at a certain point there's only so many well, there's only so many friends and so many ways to say the same thing so i kind of gave up uh and then i didn't know how to say anything online for a good five or six months after that
0: mm-hmm. wow teddy how about you
3: yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean just watching the news and just the nature of my artwork i mean it gets exhausting a lot so i mean even I mean, I go days without even going on Instagram and looking at anything. So, you know, just going and and creating uh, is something that is is very very cumbersome. But I mean, what gets me through it is the mission and the motive. And like, if anything were to happen to me, I would want someone to be able to speak up and speak for me. So, so yeah, you go through that, but then you you figure out the the overall goal of of what you're creating and the impact of it. Then that that pushes you to get through it. So, I mean, the movement's more important than how I'm feeling at the time.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, Another question. And uh, so this is about sort of artists as a group. We always glom you guys into a big group. Artists, you know, artists are in dire straits. Artists get more creative. I'm guilty of that as well. Um, But I wanted to hear um, more about you as individual unique artists. What has been your sort of the loudest um, the thing that resonated loudest for you in this experience—not as a block of artists, but, but in individually—what what are you coming out of 2020 into 2021? Let's be honest. Um, what's sticking with you the most in terms of creativity or what you want to do next, Mani, um, yeah, I think you um, you started to say what you how you were going to carry it through.
4: Yeah, last year um, I felt like I became really politicized in my work and um, especially in terms of how we can get like information out to people, how we can promote mutual aid um, and how like personally, like how, um, what Asian folks can do in um, in solidarity with the black community, um, knowing that our liberation is tied together and so, um, kind of tying back to like what you were asking in the last question too like I uh, have been wanting to make a lot of art but um, like I feel like the the creative flow is still there but the um, my physical body is really exhausted like my hands and wrists are in a lot of pain from my constant like iPad use of like drawing and so um, like knowing that I have to take a rest like I've been making sure that I am doing loads of research and um, understanding histories of like my people and how um, our experiences have been here. And so the politicization of like where my work has been is just, I feel like has been just the beginning and um, and I feel like it will just continue on from here. That's great, Teddy.
3: Um, no, I kind of echo what she's saying. Um, but yeah, just trying to use my art as more of a vessel for information. So seeing the pretty picture, but having action behind it and then having um, um, a cause or a movement tied to it, uh, there's, there's always going to be challenges within life that, that we're going to face. But continuing to educate people and, and pushing those movements to the forefront so we can actually create a better world is definitely a theme that I'm going to stick with.
0: Steven, how about oh. you? More ladders? <laughs>
2: Um, so the question is, like, how has this affected me personally? How? What am I going to do moving forward?
0: Yeah, kind of, um, yeah, what is, as an individual, you've already talked about it some, but, but yeah, what will you sort of carry
2: forward? Uh, well, I definitely want to carry forward uh, working with all different types of folks uh, instead of such a limited range that I used before. Uh, and then... My work's been political the whole time, so that's gonna keep on staying present. Uh, After a year of intense political conversation on the daily, I do have this desire, and I don't know what to think about it, but to get a little surreal, basically, Mm. uh, I want a break. (laughs) I'm not gonna deny everything that's around me, but at the same time, uh, a little beauty a little strangeness sounds really good to me right now Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that was that was another question kind of connected to that the pressure of people expecting some something big out of artists right now i I was going to ask about um do you feel like all your work going forward now has to be sort of more in the activist vein do you want it to be um, political activist art do you want to just make some beautiful stuff every once in a while How, do you experience any conflict in that area
2: I think it's interesting um, you ask three political activist artists this question because do any of us get to walk away from this I don't think so
4: I think that all of the work yeah, you um, create, even as like a politicized person will always be in your work um just overall sorry i didn't mean to interrupt or anything
3: no no i think i think we all wanted that question so um (laughs) but um i think uh i mean i show up as myself right um so just the politicalization i mean i guess that's ingrained in my body so i mean it comes out even in my i have an app called for the culture um it came out in that so i wanted to educate people on the black community and things like that i saw the same thing going on with uh the Latinx community. I want to create a game with uh people from the community to celebrate that culture, things like that. Now, I mean, I have a fun game now called uh What the Zodiac that I'm that I'm releasing, but it's about zodiac signs. So, I'm um, just trying to figure out a way to celebrate people and celebrate life and and just be creative in in whatever ways I can.
0: Yeah, i'm glad you brought up your app teddy because that i mean there is sort of um, a playfulness right there's a playfulness to the activ activism as well and money you, even your you know the takeout menus there is sort of um there's an accessibility to that but there's also i mean it's fun i've seen those takeout menus and yes it's a very serious issue but it's also the way you presented it is wonderful because it is something we all can recognize and we've all you know held in our hands this is a very different way to get at it and then and then Stephen I feel like your your work you always have a little sly uh hint of humor in it too so so I think that's um that's why I'm drawn to your all of your work is because there is this this layer of um sort of wisdom and then and wit as well wisdom and wit both um uh, that's just me talking anyone can jump in on that are, are you trying to do that on purpose or does it does it just come through because that's your personality
3: yeah so i mean the, the way i was taught was always put the medicine in the candy right so that's what i was trying to do with for the culture Um, try to make a fun game that was engaging that people wanted to play but then you actually learn something too so when I saw kids playing it within schools and and everything else I was like okay it's actually getting through you know the messages actually spreading stuff so that's yeah so you're right about that
4: Mm -hmm. yeah I want to say that like um, as an artist like I don't think that I feel any pressure um In terms of like having people expect work out of me because I know that my work has always been a process for me or like a way to process like information that i'm learning and research that i'm doing and the emotions that i'm feeling and so on the other side of that like I. Want people to enjoy or like find ways to connect with me or to resonate with me. Um, Even if I talk about my grandma, like, you know, people will come and share stories about their grandma with me. And so, what is that point of connection that we can find within each other? And um, I think there's so much like, uh, you can find so much empathy and connection within stories and um, embedded that into your work and like who we are just like kind of um, molds into what this art piece becomes that you wanna share with the world and you wanna share with people. Like you wanna talk about some of these things that are really heavy, but like how do you even get them to start talking about it, you know? Um, And that's like also where the takeout menu came from because we all love to eat food and um, how do we like connect over um, these restaurants that have such a like deep, deep history. And you had a,
0: um, you did a comic too, right? It was for Wing
4: Luke yeah that was a um a comic that i also wanted to i think i did that one before my takeout menu but i wanted to have this like that like uh dusty pink um paper kind of feel from like the takeout menus as well um and then it was just a bunch of like illustrations that i would taken from the neighborhood and also like my own family's photos from their restaurant that i grew up in so wanting to engage in stories and storytelling to make people understand that like a lot is happening in chinatown both like in being stigmatized and also used as like a prop against like the Black community during the protests. So how can we talk about all these things? But like, let's talk about it in a comic, you know? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that comic. It was really well done.
4: Thank you, Stephen. You want to add anything?
2: Well, for me, growing up in the '90s and being in uh, activist band Shaqung and being lightly associated with ACT UP and things like this, I. <laughs> You know, there's a uh, power in, in resistance movements that are angry and loud, but they often will get tuned out. And so I learned quickly that if you add some humor and some sexuality, different people will pay attention. And, uh, you know, just like everyone's saying, hopefully you slide into their subconscious and they start to think about things in a different way. So, yeah, <clears throat> that part will probably stay with my art forever. Mm-hmm. That's
0: great. Um, I just want to give a reminder to the audience that we will be asking some of your questions soon, so please add them to the chat. Um, and I've got a couple more questions for you guys. So um, So this is something I always think about in my work as an arts editor. What can artists tell us that the news and media can't? Like we kind of get all this information and the facts um, about the stuff that you guys are making work about, but but what do you think it is that um, that you're doing as creatives that helps us connect with it, maybe more so than than reading the news? I'll give you a second on that
3: one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was stuffy. <laughs>
4: Uh, I'll go ahead. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that um, when we think about media sources, like we have to think about the biases and the um, who has access to tell those stories, right? And so um, we know that there are so many attacks happening, um, even on like elder Asian folks, but like we know that that's not in major media either. Um, it's not on the same level as to uh, how how much it's happening. And so um, the way that I wanna tell my stories is I wanna tell stories for the folks who don't have access or don't have like that ability to share that. And I know that um, art making is just another form of storytelling. And um, as like a person who's very visual, uh, I, I have a hard time with my voice. I have a hard time explaining and processing my emotions and so this is the way that I feel I can communicate best. And so um, expressing my family story and their experience while they um, you know were in Chinatown um, and sharing the stories of like mutual aid and how important that is because I don't think like it's um, known enough how much like people take care of people. Um, And so I believe that like it's important to elevate the stories that don't have access to like news outlets and um, to be interviewed because there's such a heavy bias within all of that and it's ingrained.
0: Anyone else want to tackle that one.
3: No, I think I think that was very well said um. There's a lot of stories that, that will get a lot of attention, a lot of attraction, but just as many stories do get that same attention, there's so many stories that don't. So I think uh, us as artists, we have a platform that we can uh, we can elevate other things that and make sure that they get the right attention. Uh, case in point, um, I finished a piece for Mario Gonzalez, who was uh, killed uh, in the Bay Area. And uh, his story wasn't getting a lot of attention, but then I have a projection artist named Alan, uh, Alan Marley who said, hey, look, man, this happened. Like, can you create something for it? So yeah, so I mean, I stopped whatever I was doing and created that piece um, to help elevate him, and and I want to release that later today.
0: Oh, wow, great. Steven, any other thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, we keep talking about our individual communities because that is, if we have the ability to make people interested, and I am all about helping trans and non-binary folks In a pandemic uh you know we keep hearing about how white men and women are dealing with it and their children and well what about the folks who don't have kids and who are alone at home and and don't have the traditional network behind them so having a way to show that they're being seen and recognized and you know everyone wants to feel like they have a place in this society regardless of what the media how the media would view them so yeah i think it's oh god all of a sudden i don't know what to say
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i think um i mean for me it's just consistently amazing that that artists can crystallize all these gigantic heavy thoughts into a poster a takeout menu a photograph i mean that's maybe you don't even know how you do it because you're just creative people but but it's just There's so much in these, you know, single images, or maybe it's a song, or maybe it's a dance performance, you know, Um, that's, that's what I love about working with artists is the mystery. So maybe we shouldn't answer that one. We'll leave it a mystery.
1: We'll be back with more after this.
0: Ready to take your travels to the next level? Alaska Airlines is committed to providing a higher standard of safety and cleanliness throughout your journey. From mask requirements and touch-free options, to HEPA filters on board, and everything in between. Plus, their award-winning loyalty program, Mileage Plan, makes it easy to earn and redeem miles wherever you go, including destinations worldwide, thanks to their One World Alliance membership. If you're ready to land a low fare, next-level care, and the best experience in the air, book now at alaskaair.com. Now we have a few audience questions here. Let's see. Oh, this is a great one. Um, I'd love to hear how each of these artists became artists. How old were you when you started thinking, hey, I'm I'm going to be an artist, I'm really going to do this thing? Uh, Teddy, you want to start this?
3: Yeah, so uh, I, I think I really just blossomed into artists probably like over the past year, but I went back and I started talking to my mom about my story and then she brought out like this uh, award that I totally forgot about, but it was like the state art show in Alabama and I won Outstanding Student Award for that. And he said, like, nah, Teddy, you've always been an artist. Um, I just played football and things and everything just fell to the background. But just getting back and connecting with art is uh, is something that um, was near and dear to me just, you know, over the pandemic. But uh, yeah, so I guess I've been an artist since that was fourth grade, so... <laughs> I mean awesome. I guess cool
2: Stephen how about you uh I remember uh finding Andy Warhol when I was 12 years old and reading about Edie Sedgwick and uh that between that and surrealist like Magritte and I just was enamored with art I didn't actually uh go to school for photography until I was 30 but that was after I'd been a punk musician for years and done weird performance art. So it was when I was 30 that I really found my voice, I guess.
0: Great, Lenny, how about you?
4: Yeah, uh, I have always wanted to be an artist. Uh, I grew up like, I, I remember as a kid, I would draw um, these like anime cat girls or mm. Like, I would take printouts of, like, these animated, uh, yeah, these anime girls, and then I would, I would tape them on the window and then tape another piece of paper on them so I could trace and, like, learn how to, how to, like, copy them. Um, and so I think it was just always something that I, the difficulty, I grew up in a household with, like, four different languages being spoken, so even though English is my first language, I feel really I have a hard time with um, expressing how I feel or how I can process my emotions um, verbally. And so I felt like art has always been the way to communicate for me and um, and I just never stopped.
0: Cool. Um, let's see, what else have we got from the audience here? Um, so one thing that came up that has is- pretty important. Uh, how do we make all this art accessible? Like Manu, you were talking about making this that like even if you don't even want to see it anymore, let's make art that's in your face. Um, and yet have artists get paid for their work. So um, any thoughts about getting artists paid? We could solve a lot of problems if you have a, a good answer here.
3: Yeah, um, I think, I think NFTs is emerging technology that I think uh, a lot of artists can take advantage of, um, uh, setting up the files and then just making it accessible. Just So just celebrating digital art. Um, another thing I think is this a culture change, like, like pay artists for their work. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a mindset, it's a mentality, right? So, uh, I just think, um, just educating people on, look, you know, we, we devote our time and energy to this and these things mean a lot to us. So just appreciating art more, um. But I think that comes with education and, and a culture change.
2: Yeah. Steven, can you solve this? <laughs> I can't solve it, but I can say that uh, I am shocked at how effective Instagram has been at selling my art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not expecting that, but uh, enough viewers will have reached out to me that I have, you know, I do all right with it. It's not, it's not paying all the bills, but uh, I sell some art that way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah that's great
4: money
0: yeah.
4: yeah uh I think that it's important that all artists should know that they deserve to be advocated for even for yourself um, when you are getting paid for a job you are absolutely in your right to um, be paid for what you're worth and I'm saying this as a person who doesn't know how to take their own advice um,
2: <laughs> but it's
4: really important to advocate for yourself. And then also, yeah, like I wanna echo that it is a structural change. Um, it is like a cultural change. Um, uh, and like, especially with institutions, like I'm not gonna sit here and say that, you know, you need to apply for grants because that's not accessible for everybody. That's a really hard process and that's really difficult. Um, and even on that level, like I was really blessed to have received a, a grant this year. Um, I received like the um, Arc Artist Fellowship, which is specifically funds that are non-restrictive and um, to support an artist in whatever needs that I have. Uh, and they're not asking for like an end product or anything, but just so that like they can support me and like literally living and surviving. And I think that's really important that like, I don't need you to just pay me for my art. Like I need you to pay me to, to survive and still be a person because I'm also a person outside of an artist. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, and I know uh, a couple cities now have been talking about maybe a universal basic income um, specifically for artists. Um, I've heard about that in San Francisco. I have not heard about that here in Seattle, but... um, but... I will
2: say that for culture um, came, they really came through for a lot of artists, myself included, uh, needing emergency funding during this last year. So that was really helpful as well, hopefully... Some others got that, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, great. Um, Let's see. Oh, this is kind of a juicy one. Are there any topics you feel that you cannot address in your artwork? Is there any taboo for you?
2: And now you want us to talk Um. about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good point. Good point.
0: Well, is there anything that you steer clear of?
3: Um, I kind of, I kind of sit the fence. I kind of think twice if I'm not representative of a certain community, like, but I do want to display allyship, but I don't want to take, I don't want my art going viral over a person from that community, um, getting to highlight their work. So it's kind of like you pick and choose. Um, I did, I did, I did stop agent hate because I had a lot of friends that, that were actually going through something that I really felt that. So, um, so I used one of my friend's pictures to actually illustrate that. Um, so, so yeah. So I kind of kind of stay away with things that I don't fully represent. I was asked mm-hmm. to do uh, a piece for uh, Trans Lives Matter, and I was like, "There's so many other artists that can actually illustrate this. I, I don't think I deserve this opportunity. I think you mm-hmm. should give it to this person." So I just made a recommendation of who they should work with on that. So, so yeah. So that's it for me.
4: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm anybody else I want to say that uh yeah in a in a similar vein um as artists I mean I, I hope that everyone is really genuine in their work and I think that's what can make art really um successful is someone being genuine to who they are and so um I think that things I don't think of things that are taboo to me because they're not related to me or my experience, right? Like I'm gonna talk about the things that um, I experience or my community experiences and um, and knowing that like, I wanna amplify those things. Um, And if there's a way to support a different community, like where is my place in that, right? Where like, if I wanna talk about Asian solidarity within um, the protests of last year, like, What does it look like for Asian folks in the Asian community to question our position to power and our relationship to power to be in support of um, this work. And so, yeah, I think it kind of goes along with um, if you are if you are knowing of who you are and how genuine you are to that.
0: Great.
2: I'm going to mirror that idea of there's certain topics that I just uh, I feel like an ally, but I don't feel like I have the right to claim any ownership over Black Lives Matters, even if I feel passionate about it. So uh, there's some things I just, I don't want to photograph if I, if I feel like a Black artist can do it in a better and more authentic way. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it taboo, I would call it respectful. How's that?
4: That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Great framing.
0: Yeah, Um, so we are almost out of time here. Just one last question for each of you. um, And that is, what is something creative that you're gonna be working on in the next, I don't know, six months, one year, two years that you are excited to dig into? Something positive emerging from this, this crazy last year. Teddy?
3: Um, well, I want to work on collaborations with other artists and, and trying to um, see see what we can do together on certain things. So that's something that uh, I really want to place into my work. And then um, I mentioned What the Zodiac oh, is yeah, game that uh, I'm releasing. It's a fun project for me. So, uh, so yeah, I'll be uh, releasing that next week.
0: Excellent. Steven, what do you got coming up?
2: Uh, I recently secured an artist residency on Bastion Island in October. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be spending the summer basically shooting a whole bunch of new photos to try to gather up all the information and then go spend a month freaking out alone in some <laughs> tiny of house uh, and pull it all together in some crazy collage form that I've never worked with before. And I am oh. really, really excited.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome.
2: And then working you? on a book of these pandemic portraits that's
0: oh great Uh, yes i heard i heard that rumor that you were going to put all the pandemic portraits together that's excellent news good
4: yeah uh for me um i'm going to be using the grant that i received um to personally be taking some like rest for my body um knowing that like i think it's just been really tired um and so using this time to do a lot of research um specifically um, and individually on all of the Chinatowns, um, on, uh, yeah, in the US and in Canada. And um, in the same vein as my takeout menu, I'm gonna be producing um, just like some sort of like tangible item. And I'm kind of playing with the idea of like a zine newspaper or um, book uh, to kind of be talking about all the individual histories um, and histories of resilience that. Um, yeah, we've all experienced through, um, through it all. And so I'll probably be spending the rest of this year uh, really focusing on research and um, the design of uh, that work.
0: Wow, those are all super exciting. I'm, uh, I'm really eager to see the results of all of that work. Um, and we are just about out of time. So I wanna thank the artists for joining me for this talk today, this was really great. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me. Oh,
3: thanks for moderating. I, yeah.
0: Thank and you. I strongly encourage uh, all of our audience members to um, seek out these artists' work and, of course, um, the work of many other artists. We have so many wonderful artists in Seattle.
1: And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Teddy, Moni, and Steven for the talk. And thanks also to the folks in the audience who asked questions. If you'd like to become one of those audience members for a future Crosscut event, go to crosscut.com slash events. This episode of Crosscut Talks was engineered by Chi Lee. The live recording was engineered by Resty Bacall and Victoria Ralph. And the event was produced by Jake Newman and Andrea O'Meara. And Chris Novich and Mo Cloud managed our audience engagement. If you'd like to subscribe to Crosscut Talks, you can do just that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit Crosscut.com. And if you'd like to support the work that we do at CrossCut, whether that's these conversations or the arts coverage that Branjan helps produce every week, go to crosscut.com donate. CrossCut Talks is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Mark Bumgarten. We'll be back soon with another conversation.